Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Well, hey, friends, uh, just before we jump into the message, uh, just want to let you know that we've got some transition happening on our staff kind of uh, this summer, and uh, all of that is uh, good and healthy, uh, but really hard, right? You would know, just as I do, that change uh, is hard, but I just want you to know that God is in the midst of it. And we are excited with what God is doing for our friends that are kind of transitioning off of staff, but also what God is doing here uh, at City Bridge. And so uh, what I want to let you know is Jeff here, who's doing the message today, is transitioning uh, off of our staff. And so what I want to tell you, the first thing that comes to my heart and my mind is I am bummed because this is a guy for the last eight years uh, a lot of those years, we worked, we've worked every single day together, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to carry the gospel uh, to our community, to you guys, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I just want to take a minute, and I just want to celebrate Jeff's contribution here. So he's going to talk a little bit today during his message about his story. But you saw a while ago, our, our A value is authenticity, and so when we started the campus and when we started City Bridge, one of the things you want is a champion for each of those values. I hope we're all doing that, but Jeff Parker at this church has established, helped us establish the value of authenticity. That every time he is on the stage, he is leading with his story. He's leading with how Jesus has transformed his life. And then he's challenging us to do the same. And so Jeff has done that. Jeff has led a really important ministry for us for the last several years. He's led Regen in our recovery ministries. And so I just want you to know we are going to miss uh, his uh, leadership for sure. And so just so you know, give you a little bit of what's going on. Over the last year or so, Jeff stepped out of leading kind of the recovery ministries a year ago. And over this last year, we have been kind of trying to figure out, hey, what are the needs of the church and what matches with Jeff's passions and desires? And just so you know, Jeff's done a great job this last year while he's not been leading in recovery of just kind of jumping into some specific places and helping us get better in those places. But after a year... Jeff worked really hard. The elders and leadership worked really hard to find a role that made sense. And at the end of the day, we just couldn't get that matched up. And so what I want you to know, okay, as friends of, friends of Jeff, <laughs> as a minister together with Jeff, is that we anticipate him as a volunteer still teaching on this stage periodically. We anticipate... Uh, we anticipate Jeff and his family being members here. And I'm going to go ahead and say it if I can. Uh, I anticipate at some point in the future, will Jeff may be right back with us uh, on staff. Okay, there's just a season here uh, where this makes some sense. And so, uh, like, like I said, I'm, my first emotion is I am bummed, but I trust God with what he's up to at City Bridge 
and what he's up to with Jeff and their family. So uh, I'm excited for the message today, for Jeff to communicate a little more about that. But first, I just wanna pray for him. Mm. Father, thank you for my friend, my ministry partner. And Lord, as we have worked this last year to kind of figure this out, it's been hard at times. Um, And so Father, thank you for um, all that you've done in the midst of that. You've grown us and you've changed us. And I just pray for Jeff and Stacy and their family. Lord, would you give them wisdom in these next weeks and months as they think about what's next? And Father, here's one thing I know, that his life, the life of his family will be great for your kingdom and it's gonna be great here. Uh, I am excited about a super volunteer (laughs) on our team. So Lord, would you now help us shift our focus to your word and you as the transforming power in our life, just as you have done that in Jeff's life these last years and served as he served us in that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kyle. Woo, all right, some emotions, some emotions. Good to be with you this morning. If we haven't yet met, I am Jeff, and uh, so glad to get to be with you this morning to our friends watching online. Um, glad that you've joined us as well. Um, the best place to start um, is just saying thank you to you all. Um, woo. I, I told myself I'd give myself 30 seconds. You're in the midst of those 30 seconds, and so bear with me, but uh, um, man, I love this church. And uh, I love you all. Stacy and I showed up here at Watermark 20 years ago, and we didn't have any kids yet in tow. And uh, we've gotten to raise our family here, and I just want to say thank you for that. Um, my life has been transformed here, and uh, this is the place that uh, my family uh, has jumped on a deep mission of pursuing Jesus with you all. When I showed up here 20 years ago, I had no idea that I was the church. I thought church was a building. I thought it was a place. I thought it was a person up on stage. But then I saw you all. And I learned that the church is a group of people that are living a life of full devotion to Jesus. And I wanna say thank you. Midst many of you, I began to watch you all live out your faith in such a way that you walked in vulnerability and authenticity and you uh, confessed your sin to other people and I saw the transformation that Christ kind of brought about in your life and it convicted me and it challenged me. So much so that I started to wrestle with what to do with my hidden sin. And it would take me a decade, so thanks for being patient. But nine years ago, I imitated you all and I began to walk in freedom and I confessed 100.00% of my sin. And though I feared that I would be met with judgment, this body of believers met me with grace and with forgiveness. And you've discipled me every step since then. You have met my family and you have met my wife with tender love and care, with shepherding in some of the most tender moments of our lives. And we as a family say thank you. And seven years ago, you decided to hire me. (laughs) I wouldn't have hired me, but in those seven years, I learned that I had some God-given gifts and you all gave me chances to deploy them. I genuinely thought I just was a really bad accountant. But because of how well you shepherded me, I learned that I love to shepherd God's people as well. And um, 
You occasionally put a microphone in front of my face and I learned that I love teaching about Jesus too. And so thank you for helping me see those gifts. Now, uh, today I don't fully know why God is kind of seemingly calling me and my family into a different season, but I still know this. I love this church and relationships are 100% intact. And as far as it depends on us, unless God's up to something that we haven't quite seen yet, we can't wait to keep serving alongside you all, loving and caring and shepherding the body. And so we got some work to do today. This isn't gonna be a funeral. This isn't gonna be a long goodbye message. You put a microphone in my face and so we're gonna talk about Jesus, okay? Is that good? So let me pray for our time and then we'll jump into our message. Lord, thank you for the church. Thank you for this church. Not that uh, we, we praise and glory this group of believers, but Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us alone and that in your goodness and your kindness, you have surrounded us with your people. And so we say thank you for those gifts. Lord, in a moment like this, help us to kind of shift the gaze off of us as individuals. We want our gaze fixed on your son, Jesus. And so in the minutes that we have remaining, will you help us do just that? Thanks for the idea of motions that kind of help us sort through what we're feeling. But Lord, our biggest prayer and our biggest desire is that we would just shift our gaze fully to you. And so help us do that now. And we pray all that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, open your Bibles. We are, still, uh, we are in Luke chapter 19, and we are in a series called In Living Color, where we have been kind of looking at interactions with Jesus, and we're trying to kind of take the, the black and white nature sometimes of our faith, where we read a story and we just kind of move through it, and then we just move on to the next one. We're gonna try to take those moments in this series and bring them to life. We're gonna bring them to in living color for each one of us. And so this morning, I want us to look at Zacchaeus and Jesus and their interaction. And so Luke chapter 19, verse one, it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And, it was, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So Zacchaeus ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my gifts, my goods, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Let's read verse 10 again. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That's good news, isn't it? If you've ever done a deep dive into the gospel of Luke, you will know that that's one of the key verses that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. One of the reasons Luke wrote his gospel account is because he wanted his hearers to know that Jesus came on a mission and that mission was to rescue lost sinners. And maybe it's the reason why this gospel writer wrote the one story about Zacchaeus because Luke loved telling stories about how Jesus seeked 
and saved the lost. And now this isn't just some good news for this tax collector in Jericho that we read about, but this is good news both for the ashamed sinner that still sits in this room this morning, and it is also still really good news for the seasoned saint that has been following Jesus for decades. And so what, we, what I wanna do with our time together is I wanna bring this interaction to life a little bit more. Let's put a little color around this interaction that Jesus has with this tax collector in Jericho. And I wanna look at three things this morning to help kind of bring it to life. The first is this, is that Jesus runs after the rebellious. The second is that Jesus redeems those that receive him. And then the third is that Jesus restores the repentance. Let's dive into the text, verse one again. And we're gonna see how Jesus runs towards this rebellious tax collector. Going back to verse one, it says, Jesus entered Jericho now, uh, and, and was passing through. Just for kind of context, to kind of paint the scene a little bit, to bring it to life a little bit, Jericho was like the Beverly Hills of the day. Uh, it was uh, by one historian called the Eden of Palestine. And I don't think Shakespeare covers this, but it is true that Mark Anthony bought or gave Jericho to his love interest, Cleopatra. That's how much. So if you're looking for a little gift for your spouse this next kind of anniversary, try out Jericho. Uh, I got to go to Jericho uh, last June in 2022. Here's a picture of it. This is, I don't take good pictures, so forgive me, but I, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a feel, a little bit of rolling hills, a lot of greenery. Now, when we were there, it was 109 degrees. We almost lost a couple people to heat exhaustion. So if you want to know what Jericho is, wake up in Allen, Texas on Wednesday morning. And you're gonna get a little bit of sense of Jericho, but Jericho was this richest part of the, the, the nation and the region right here. And so if you were a tax collector, you wanted the Jericho assignment because money was all over the place. And that's in verse two, we get to meet who the tax collector of Jericho is. It says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, ironically, the, the name Zacchaeus means innocent or righteous one. But we know that uh, that's not how he was perceived by his Jewish friends. You see, the text tells us that he was a tax collector and tax collectors were a despised group of citizens. They were Jewish themselves, but what they were doing was they were collecting money from their brethren and they were sending it on to Rome. And that was an issue for the other Jewish people, because in their minds, Rome was the group that was actively oppressing them and the tax collectors were helping fund it. They were working for the enemy, they were traitors. Not only that, we know that most tax collectors didn't just send money onto Rome, they liked to kind of pocket some for themselves. And they were known to be people that extorted, took bribes, sometimes physically coerced others into giving them more than they were supposed to. And scripture tells us he was the chief tax collector. The only time we see that distinction in scripture, which was basically to say Zacchaeus was the despised of the despised and he was rich. And so we know Zacchaeus was doing whatever he could to take wealth off of the backs of his people. And yet, and so as you think about it, just think about uh, just who this was. Zacchaeus was the most notorious sinner in all of Jericho. If you would have thought of Jericho, if you would have thought of Zacchaeus during those times, there would have been like a visceral reaction towards him. If you heard his name or heard his voice, you would have cringed. 
And so I don't know who that is for you, but just think about it for a second. Who right now, don't say it out loud, especially if it's like a family member or maybe even someone in the room, but who, was it, who is it that just kind of, when you think of them or you think of their name or you hear their voice, you almost kind of cringe for a second, like produces the thing. I, you, like I, the, the kind of maybe an example, modern day example, maybe like a Bernie Madoff or, or think of, the, you remember Pharma Boy, that guy that kind of had a life-saving pill that he could get for seven bucks and he sold it for over a thousand dollars a pill. It was like this kind of guy, like how could you do that? And the beauty of this is that Jesus, these people that produce visceral reactions in, with you, Jesus wants to go run towards and make eye contact with him. The verse first says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. That makes it sound like in, in our language that it was just kind of a happenstance. No, the same word that is used for passing through is the same word that's used in verse 10, the same root that it says that the son of man came. Jesus had a divine appointment with the most notorious sinner in all of Jericho. And he made a beeline for him who was rebellious. And get this, this isn't just in Jesus's free time, he's on his way to the cross. A few days from now, he's about to hang on a tree and this time in Jericho, he knows I'm gonna go meet a guy that's gonna be hiding in a tree. Jesus moves towards the rebellious. Do you know that Jesus runs towards those people? It's why that even what Kyle said in announcements, Jesus has been telling people, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is not looking to kind of make some behavior modifications to some like pretty good people. Jesus wants to utterly transform even the most rebellious heart in whatever land you live in. The depth of Zacchaeus' sin is gonna to reveal to us the depth that Jesus has compassion for people. And so if you're in the room today and you feel like the chief of sinners, maybe you feel like the most notorious sinner in the room, there is a trustworthy and saying that is worthy of acceptance. It's that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Like many of us would say, like we are the chief of them. Jesus runs towards them. Christ passed through this earth. He came to seek and save the lost. Don't let that truth ever grow numb in your heart because he moves towards the rebellion. And so if you're in the room and you feel like you have outsinned Jesus's grace, if you have breath in your lungs, you have not outsinned the powerful love and grace of Jesus Christ. There, if, in, in, in Jesus's economy, there are no incurable sinners. And so you didn't just happen to come to City Bridge on June 25th. You were drawn here. You were wooed here by the love of Christ to one more time hear the gospel message that Jesus Christ has come to seek and save the lost. Now it's a message that somewhere along the way of my life, I, 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 I forgot it's like I got convinced that, that, that I was like in a different class of other people, like Jesus was almost for everyone else but me. And during 2008, I ran headlong into a place of fleeing from Jesus. And my kind of drug of choice is gambling. And in 2008, I ran headlong into it willfully and no one knew anything and I hid there for seven long years. And while I was in that season, I also began stealing money from my company. And not just a little bit, but as time would go by during those seven years, it would amount to over six figures worth of stolen money. And I was convinced along the way 
that Jesus didn't want to have anything to do with me, that he was done with me, that he was disgusted by me, that he was looking to discard me because he was embarrassed by me. And yet time and time again, I look back now and I'm like, oh, I see it. Jesus kept wooing me to be surrounded by his people. And each week I kept hearing the gospel. Most often about every other month or so, I watched some of you all begin to live differently and begin to trust Jesus's ways. And I would hear that little whisper from time to time, Jesus kind of going, hey, you could be next. You could be next. And I'm not asking you to figure out every one of the next steps. All that I'm asking you to do right now is to take a step of faithfulness. And I watched you all. And I watched your faith in bold courage. And it was one of the ways that Jesus was kind of helping the gospel unfold my, before my very eyes. And so if you're in the room today, my challenge to you is don't forget where Jesus rescued you from. If you've been rescued, you remember where Christ found you. If you are stuck right now, could be in any number of things, use a day like today to kind of step forward in courage. Some of you may be going like, man, gosh, I'm, I haven't done anything significant. I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good. If anything, I just need a little bit of that behavior modification. I wanna remind you the best case scenario of anyone in this room is a poisoned heart that needs to be completely purified. The best case scenario in this room is a tainted life that is in need of complete transformation by Christ. And even if that's how you feel today, I want you to know Jesus is running towards you in the rebellion of your self-righteousness. Jesus is moving towards you and you could be next. Watch what happens when you are. Verse three, it says that, and he, this is uh, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. And so he ran on ahead. It's almost like childlike faith in this moment. He ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For Jesus was about to pass that way. Let me give you a picture of a sycamore tree just so you have a kind of a, a glimpse of, of what it is. Uh, there it is right there. Now that's not just any sycamore tree. That is the one sycamore tree in all of Jericho. There's one, there's only evidently ever been one. Now you can see it's kind of roped off. You're not allowed to climb it because tourists like me would be like, hey, how do I get up there and sing the song of Zacchaeus and the tree? <laughs> Actually, I take that back. There's two sycamore trees in Jericho. The Greek Orthodox Church planted one a few years ago so as to try to get tourists to swing by their location. But this is the one, now this, no one thinks that this is the tree that Zacchaeus climbed, but there is a pretty strong belief that this is the seed from the seed from the seed from the seed of the one tree that Zacchaeus climbed. And so it's just this picture, just give you a little visual. Zacchaeus is kind of hidden up in those trees. You can get lost in the leaves. And this is where Zacchaeus has run to, this little bit of faithfulness to go see Jesus. And what does the gospel say? What does Jesus say? Those who seek will find. Those who knock, the door will be opened. Zacchaeus is trying to see who Jesus was. Verse five, and when Jesus came to that sycamore tree, he looked up into it. 
and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. I don't know what you think, what, what, like how Jesus would address you in your sin, but I want the words of Jesus to Zacchaeus to ring through your mind. Of, of all the different things that you go, oh, Jesus is disappointed in me. He, he's dis, uh, disgusted by me. He doesn't want anything to do with me. No, Jesus longs to be with you today, no matter what you've done. Why would he speak any differently to the most notorious sinner in all of Jericho than to your heart? So whatever voice you hear in your head that you think is Jesus condemning you, that is not who Jesus is. That's reserved for a completely different person, the enemy. Or maybe it's the world, or maybe it's your flesh. But the kind words of Jesus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus wants to dine with you. He wants to spend time with you even today. Even if you're stuck in your rebellion right now, he wants to be with you. And watch what happens to those that receive him. It then says in verse six that, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. I understand that. There's a lot probably happening in Zacchaeus's life. I'm assuming that Zacchaeus's life didn't just get easier because Jesus intervened and intersected. But I love that word joyfully. I remember I was on an airplane. It was, it was 2015. I had been stuck in sin for seven years and I was on an airplane and the Lord had just kept coming after me, kept coming after me, kept coming after me. And he was just like, I'm all I'm asking you to do, Jeff, is to take one step. You don't have to figure out all hundred steps that will follow afterwards. All I'm asking you to do is to confess and come out of the tree, so to speak, and into the light. And I remember sitting on the airplane, on an airplane, maybe it's something about elevation. You know, Zacchaeus was up in, the plane, up in a tree, I was up in a plane. Try that if you need to, but I was, make, I was jotting down notes and I literally was doing a, a pros and cons list. And on one side, I was like, Lord, there will be endless consequences if I confess. There will be financial and, and any number of other consequences. And on the pro column, all that I knew to write was, but Jesus will set me free. On one column, it was, I might go to jail. The only thing I knew to write, but Jesus might set me free. I'm gonna be a disappointment to my friends and my family and my wife and the friend that I've been stolen from, but Jesus will set you free. You might have to tell your story in front of lots of lots of people, <laughs> but you will be free. And so I did the one step that Jesus asked me to do. He didn't give me the hundred other ones yet, but he just said, I want you to get this into the light. And so on an airplane heading home from West Palm Beach, I fired up airplane Wi-Fi. If you are the inventor of airplane Wi-Fi, please come down front at the end of the message and I want to hug you. <laughs> but I sent a, next, a, a, a text to my community group and they met me right as I got off the plane and I confessed to them. They walked with me as I went and confessed to my wife. She walked with me when I went and confessed to the company. It was a long day, <laughs> but it was a freedom day. And I'm just telling you this right now, you can't put a price tag on freedom. You think confession of sin is gonna be too costly and I tell you, you don't, un you don't understand 
what a gift freedom is. And so when it says that Zacchaeus received him joyfully, it's like, oh, I recognize that because I remember the pain of that day, but man, I remember the joy that day. I remember for the first time in seven years, putting my head on the pillow and all I could hear from the Lord was you were faithful today. And there was a joy and there was a peace with walking in Jesus's ways that I hadn't felt in a really long way. That was palpable. There was a renewed sense of hope that others like a few weeks later, a few months later would be like, you look different. And it's like, I know the sin that had been withering me from the inside. Well, there is now hope that is transforming me from the inside. We convince ourselves confession is too costly, but I'm telling you, you can't put a price tag on freedom. And so don't wait a second longer. And you go, man, I don't, I don't have anything big to confess. I'm not. If you haven't confessed in community or to another human being anything recently, then you're, you're deceiving yourselves. Confession should be something normal. And you never know. You never know what God will do with one small act of faithfulness or repentance. Zacchaeus climbed a tree and then boom. All I did was send a text to my community group and then Jesus kind of paved the way for everything else. And so if you're stuck here in some in sin, maybe it's adultery, maybe you're in an active affair, or maybe it's an affair that you think you've gotten away with, but deep down you know you haven't gotten away with it. Man, bring it into the light. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety or anger or unforgiveness or bitterness of any kind. And you're like, well, it's not that public of a sin, but it's eating you away on the inside. You can't put a price tag on freedom. Get it in the light. Take one step. You don't have to worry about two, step three, step four, step five. Get it in the light. Because you just don't know what God will do with just one small act of faithfulness. Because watch what happens next. Verse seven, when the others saw it, they, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. That might happen, right? Zacchaeus wouldn't have been the first person, won't be the last person to maybe claim Christ out of convenience, right? We've seen that happen before. Maybe that's what they're going, oh, now you want to identify with the guy. But notice what they say. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. That would have been profound in that day, in that culture of time. For, the, for Jesus to walk into the house of a tax collector, culturally speaking, would have been him identifying with the sin. It's almost a little bit of the picture of the gospel, right? As Jesus takes on our sin. He who knew no sin takes on our sin. He who knew no sin is willing to go into the house of a sinner in a day when that would have been unacceptable. And then watch how Jesus begins to restore this repentant man. It says, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. Choice words, son of Abraham. As a Jewish person, he would have physically been a descendant of Abraham. And yet he was cast aside, he was as a traitor, he would have been discarded, declaimed from being a son of Abraham. And Jesus looks at him and says, I am restoring this man to the spiritual lineage of being a son of Abraham. Jesus is gonna restore this repentance. We don't exactly know what the, what the salvation moment necessarily looked like. I will tell you this, just the fact that, 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 that uh, Zacchaeus wants to respond by giving away his stuff. That's not what saved Zacchaeus. That was, a, that was evidence that he had been saved. Repentance is just merely the fruit of your rescue. 
those who have been saved give evidence to their salvation. And so how are you doing at giving evidence to your salvation to other people? Look what Zacchaeus was willing to do. Again, verse eight, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Here is this man that all of his life had been a taker and now he's ready to be a giver. The thief became a philanthropist because that's what Jesus does in the hearts of those that he saves. He enables a repentance that transforms how they live. And if we just stop and break down verse eight, we see kind of four things at like the fruit of Zacchaeus's repentance. The first is this, repentance humbles yourself under Christ's authority. Here, the richest man, maybe the most powerful man in all of Jericho stops and says, behold, Lord. That's not just a minor declaration. That is, I am coming under your authority, Jesus. And what you would have me do, I will do. When I think about this place over the last many years, I think about many of you that have done that, one of which was a, a friend of mine named Chris. Um, you know Chris, Chris Baird, uh, uh, some of, and uh, yes, yes, cheer. and he would tell you, right? Thanks be to Jesus. But when I first met Chris, we were at a men's Bible study in uh, the very beginning of 2016, and we were paired together even though we didn't know each other. And personally, before the session had even begun, I was writing feedback of going, why would you pair someone that you don't know with one another? But that was my thought. And then all of a sudden I met Chris and we spent hours that day. It was almost like, hey guys, do y'all mind leaving our Bible study? Chris and I are getting to know each other and it's awesome. And as we talked, uh, we talked about joy and we talked about peace and, and Chris had lots of questions about that. He was leading in men's Bible study. He was even leading in, in region. And yet he was struggling with it. We didn't really know why. We didn't really know what to put the finger on. And then a few months later, he went to a region leaders conference. And it was there that he realized, oh my gosh, I haven't received Christ's love for me. I haven't believed that um, Jesus wants me. I believe that he wants everyone else, but I thought he was discouraged and disappointed in me. And it was on April 18th, 2016, that for the first time he believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth that Jesus was his savior and that Jesus had wanted him and had come to seek and save him. And then boom, his life changed in a way that now many of you, there's a reason why some of us cheer because he has come around long and discipled many men and women through Regen and Reengage and other ministries. His wife too, they have been an integral part of our church all because he recognized he needed to come under the authority of Jesus. And that's a sweet place to be, is to recognize this God that loves you. And then number two, Zacchaeus, I think what he's doing here is he's standing in front of the crowd going, this is what I will do. I'm gonna give away my stuff. I'm gonna restore that which I've taken. The second thing repentance does is it humbles yourself before others. I love it. At this moment, Zacchaeus doesn't go, hey Jesus, they're, they're bagging on me. <laughs> he looks at them and says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my life do the speaking. And they willing to humble himself in whatever manner possible. I remember a guy named Chase Jones, still on staff here, right? On October 6th, 2018, he called me and said, my ministry's over, I've been hiding some sin. And I darted over to his house and we talked and then we walked, 
with him uh, and discipled him in the ways that I had been discipled. We kind of passed it on to him. And he did kind of lose his role in where he was currently on staff. But we said, hey, stay humble. We'll live it out here. And we want you to help launch the Frisco Church just by putting together stuff. And he worked literally on the other side of this curtain, just out of view of any one person, humbling himself. And every day we saw Chase walk in, go to the back, and just humbly live out repentance and walk deeply with Jesus. We asked Chase to do like, hey, will you send us a weekly email that just summarizes how you're doing? I'm telling you, it's the best email I've ever read each and every week. He lived out his repentance in front of other people. How are you doing at that? And then number three, repentance desires to make amends for the wrongs that you've committed. That's what Zacchaeus is doing in this moment. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it full, full. The, the, the Old Testament standard would have been 20%. And yet Zacchaeus is going, I want to do more than that because of the ways that Christ has rescued me. And can you imagine those conversations for a moment? Like, I, I think it's in scripture because he actually did it. He was knocking on doors is, is the best I can imagine and kind of going, hey, it's Zacchaeus here. And you can imagine the snickering on the other side. Oh, good, that's Zacchaeus, great. He's coming for more. Actually, I've come to settle up. My records show that I stole $25 from you. Do you agree? Okay, great. Will you forgive me? And here's 100 next door. My records show I stole 30. Oh, no, my records show you took 50 from us, Zacchaeus. Okay. Will you forgive me? Here's 200. Not Zacchaeus, get away. I don't want to talk to you. Okay, I get that. But talk to your neighbors. I'll be back next week. I want to settle my accounts with you. And it's what repentance does. My, you, some of y'all know I'm a journal guy, right? Some of you. This is my favorite one. 2016, after I had finished up Regent, actually I was in step nine of Regent and I made amends. And this is the journal that I logged my amends journey. And I wrote down every person that I met with, what I wanted to look them in the eyes and seek forgiveness for. And in a weird thing, I also was like, hey, will you just sign it? <laughs> just so I remember that I did it. I'm not holding you to it, but I just wanted to remember. And so in this book, there's signatures from over 50 different people. I met with each person at the company that I looked at. I said, will you forgive me for what I've done? And every time I'm like, why would you do this? And I'm like, I'm not doing this. This is Christ in me, restoring the repentant heart. And even as I paid back the company, the guy that I stole money from was the guy that signed it in big letters. I forgive Jeff. And then I got to walk out repentance each and every day. One of the things that you won't necessarily see in this verse is that repentance is a lifelong process. You never get to graduate from a life of repentance. We don't know where, um, from a biblical record standpoint, we don't, don't know where Zacchaeus' life ended up. But we do know from a couple extra biblical accounts, we know that what church tradition says happened in Zacchaeus' life. Do you wanna know what that was? After Jesus' death and resurrection, after Christ was now kind of the Holy Spirit working through Zacchaeus, after Christ had sent the Holy Spirit on, Zacchaeus evidently kept, kept living out his repentance in such a way that all the whole region began to take note of what was happening in his life. So much so that the chief tax collector would become the chief spiritual leader in the entire region. 
Church tradition holds that he became the first bishop in the district of Caesarea. The guy they once grumbled about as just a tax collecting sinner. They once said, hey, Zacchaeus, will you lead us? You've been with Jesus. And we think you have moral authority to lead us in it. That's, I'm just telling you, this is what Jesus does. He restores the repentant. And so many of us, we, we think of Zacchaeus and we think of him still kind of stuck up in that tree or we think of ourselves still stuck in that, in, in our chair, kind of dead in our sin. And Jesus is going, I have something so much in store for you, but I'm asking you to take one step of faithfulness. And then boom. This last month, I got an opportunity to return to Israel and um, my favorite place, maybe my favorite place in, in Jerusalem is Caiaphas's courtyard. Um, if you're not familiar with kind of what happened in Caiaphas's courtyard, uh, Caiaphas's courtyard is where we believe that, that, that Peter denied Jesus three times. And it was, it's a famous denial, isn't it? We hear of it often, we read of it often, we do sermons on it often, we run to the passages often because it's this famous denial of Jesus. And I guess one of the reasons that Caiaphas's courtyard kind of resonates with me is that's my life. My life denied Jesus for seven years. And my favorite thing, the one of the reasons why I love to go to that place is for this simple truth. Peter's life didn't end there. Peter walked out of that courtyard and because of the restorative power of Jesus Christ in his life. You know what's more famous than Peter's denials? It's the repentance that Jesus produced in his life. We turn the pages in our Bible and this guy that couldn't even declare Jesus's name in front of a servant girl is preaching the name of Jesus to thousands and thousands are coming to Jesus because of the bold courage of Peter. And we don't need to celebrate Peter. It is because Jesus restores the repentant. And all he's asking us to do is take one faithful step and he then begins to take over in ways that you can't even imagine. And literally, boom. All I did was send a little text. <laughs> mm. And because of that, I've got to watch Jesus work miracle after miracle in this church. By my count, and I may be underselling this, by my count, I've seen over 350 people come out of hiding and then watch their lives take off because that's what Jesus does, amen? And so if you're still hiding in the sycamore tree today, maybe you don't know who Jesus is, there's a sweet promise that Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, the door will be opened. That's your one step today. Continue seeking him with all your heart and we'll have space for you to come and let the body of Christ surround you if you wanna come down front at the end of the message or maybe you're stuck up there because you're hiding in sin. I just wanna tell you, you're but a step away from a rescue and a life that you can't even imagine right now. Before Peter even denied Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, I'm praying for you, Peter, that when your faith returns, you will go strengthen your brothers and your sisters. One step of faithfulness. 
Sometimes simply as climbing the tree, Jesus uses to set off a domino effect that you can't even imagine that brings glory and honor and fame to the name of Jesus. If you've been rescued by Jesus, that's what you're called to do today. Repentance demands it of us. And so my prayer is that as a body of believers that we would get after it. If we're not in the tree, let's get after it and go rescue others that are in it. And if you are there, come out. There's a body of believers that would love to surround you and care for you. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.